Just like your Swedish girlfriend. No, she's real. I have her head on a stick. Welcome to Try 3, Episode 1 of the Weekly Digest. I am Tim Madura. And I'm drinking a wonderful cup of coffee. Every week, myself and Wonderful Cup of Coffee here will be bringing you the best in news, reviews, and baboons. That's right, a new baboon fact every week. This week is the common baboon fact that baboons have very famous butts. That's it. They're world famous. They're like... World famous butts. First bit of news. All right, we are looking at a story from over at CBR. Actually, they were reporting it from Deadline. It is Robert Kirkman has been attached to the Transformers spinoff directed by Akiva, uh, looks like Akiva Schaefer, I think. Yes, of Lonely Island fame. Absolutely. Akiva Schaefer, who is on a boat directing the Transformers spinoff. So what do you expect? Kirkman's on the Transformers spinoff writing team. What do you expect out of a Kirkman Transformers film? Uh, I'm really excited because genre film veteran Zach Penn is attached. Uh, some may know him from the classic film X-Men 3. The best of the, the X-Men best. series. It was so good they had to retcon it completely with X-Men Days of Future Past. Because they knew they couldn't top it. No, yeah. Once you're at the top, where do you go? You go back to the beginning with Matthew Vaughn, and you make First Class, and then you make Days of Future Past to reset it. Because you can't, you don't get better than that. That's all there is to it. So, Sometimes you just need to reset your universe. Yeah, you do. But we'll get to that in just a minute. Zach Penn, also of the original Avengers script fame, the one that was thrown out after Whedon read it and said that Marvel had nothing with that script. So, Zach Penn, not looking good for him lately or rather over the past 10 years, but somehow... Pretty much, pretty much ever. Pretty much ever. What, what titles does he have to his name? What is Zach Penn's success? I hear that he uh, cooks a really mean omelet. All right, so we've got omelets. Uh, th- that might be it. Omelets. All right. So Zach Penn, master omelet chef, is working on the new Transformers film with Robert Kirkman, Inside sources are telling us that the film is going to start off with a great original concept and then just kind of stumble around for a little while, do something really awesome, and then stumble around for another 30 issues with heavy-handed dialogue until they decide to kill someone off. As a consolation prize, Zach Penn did write Elektra, the movie. And if there's anything I know, there's going to be crazy dance scenes in Transformers, possibly in a playground possibly on a seesaw. I'm really looking forward to, um, you know, like the jazz ratchet dance-off battle. It's going to be like step up in the Transformers universe is what I'm saying. Yeah, um, and I'm, I'm fully, I mean, I'm fully looking forward to this. I think Zach Penn is really what the uh, Transformers universe needs. I mean, Inspector Gadget, possibly one of the greatest screenplays ever written, and his his work on the Fantastic Four video game, you know, it's, I mean, he's just, he's top-notch. And, you know, it's, 
some great things to come out of him. You've got Karate Kid 2 is coming up, uh, and I really think you're going to see a lot out of this guy. Um, a lot of good things from him in just that movie alone. So be on the lookout for this Transformers spinoff with profane rap numbers and Jaden Smith. I'm really looking forward to Marky Mark and Jaden Smith teaming up to take down the Decepticons. Next story! (laughs) From Robert to Robin, Rihanna Fenty. (laughs) Do we want to move over to DC suing Rihanna for trademarking the name Robin? Yes! Yes, absolutely. Thanks to Jude's mad hacker skills from the movie Hackers, starring Angelina Jolie, he was able to obtain patent and trademark filings. <laughs> Alright. Alright, I lost my lost my train of thought there. <laughs> Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie Hackers. He was, he was <laughs> I just gotta make a note that this is the time that I fucked up and to edit all this out. <laughs> so Jude was able to obtain patent and trademark filings showing that, uh, among others, Rihanna has trademarked Fenty Apparel, Fenty Beauty, Fenty Face, Fenty Intimates, Fenty Swimwear, Boomflick, which is my favorite, Fenty 88, and Robin. And DC seems to have a problem with that, while their trademark has the purpose of providing online non downloadable general feature magazines, and I can see where DC is getting the confusion from. Because Rihanna is all about those online, non-downloadable general feature magazines. I have... Um, it's, it's really interesting. It, it, this is a legitimate problem. Uh, if you keep up with hockey, you know that the commissioner of the NHL is Gary Bettman. Sometimes I'll be reading an article, and I'll see Bettman, and I think it's Batman, and it gets me really confused. Um... They're just so similar, so I, I totally see DC's problem here because they don't need another Batman-Batman situation where people are like, tell Batman to stop the lockout, and they're like, no, that's Gary Batman. It's, 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 it's a problem. It's real. Also, you're, look, you're looking at the, the trademarks. There's actually a... I think there's a longer list. Uh... Right here, I've got a, a list that says Fenty Apparel, Fenty Beauty, Fenty Clothing, Fenty Cosmetics, Fenty Face, Fenty Intimates, Fenty Lingerie, Fenty Makeup, Fenty Nails, Fenty Swim, Fenty Swimwear. Yes, Fenty Swim and then Fenty Swimwear. Oh, there's a there's a large difference there. There is. I guess the first one sells pools. <laughs> pools that shine bright like a diamond or something. I don't know. I don't listen to Rihanna. I'm not. I'm really enough. surprised that. DC hasn't sued, at least to my knowledge, uh, pop star Robin, mm. who has one of my favorite songs and favorite music videos attached, Call Your Girlfriend. I think that's because Robin is Swedish and DC doesn't, and so the, there's international laws with that. Oh, you're right. It's kind of like the Pirate Bay. They're, not, they're not in their jurisdiction. That's exactly what it is. That's why Robin was born Swedish, because she wanted to use that name, but she didn't want to get sued by DC. I mean, who does? 
Clearly, we we do. We're trying. Clearly, Gary Jerry Conway doesn't because he backtracked those statements on the executives. I mean, if if DC was to hand me a cool, I don't know, hundred bucks, I'd probably stop talking to just like Jerry Conway. I need more than a hundred dollars. I feel like if they're gonna start off with a hundred dollars, that's lowballing me. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd like a hundred dollars, and anyone who wants to give me a hundred dollars, I will gladly accept it. But I feel like my life expenses. I don't know. I mean, hundred dollars would go a long way, but pissing off DC can be so much fun. Now is the time to add that uh, you can contribute to the Outhousers Patreon, and we're adding a level for $100. You can pay me off the site. <laughs> but it's $100 a month for at least how many years? Uh, it's about 40 until I retire, so I'd say 40 years. All right, so then you'd have, let's see, that would be 1200 every year, so you would have... About $50,000 to retire with. Um, yeah, that will buy me... A year. Uh, a year, yeah. And we're thinking in 40 years it's going to be 2055. So, I mean, with inflation, that will get me a couple Subway sandwiches. Which will then be yoga mat free, I hope. I believe they're actually be served on yoga mats. They, they just committed to the yoga mat part now? Yeah. I mean, you might as well. When you've invested that much money in yoga mat manufacturing and bread manufacturing, and they're at the same plant, you might as well just ship them all to the same place. It is still one of the. That's still one of the most bizarre things. Like, oh, we use the same stuff from yoga mats. I feel like you have to go out of your way to do that. Yeah, and I think that's really been a great discussion on Rihanna, and I'm glad we were able to all fit this in at the same time. So. Rihanna and DC, how about over to DCU and the new Moo? Um, DC is basically admitting this is another reboot now. They're trying to make it sound like it's something done for the fans, but if they were listening to the fans, they would not do this. Um, they would throw it back to the original DC universe and apologize or something, I think. So I'm not a big DC reader. Uh, Tim, do you want to give me thoughts on this? I think it's completely, from a financial standpoint, they saw the big success in relaunching the universe. So I think the new approach from Big Two Comics is, instead of having a, an event every summer, let's just reboot the universe every summer. Makes sense. I think that's going to be the new trend. And reboot it with an event is really what they're doing. It's, it's like when you make a Hot Wheels track. And you take the you know the little buffers that send the car flying, and you just line them all up one after the other. Exactly. I feel like that's what they're trying to do with with this. Um, you know, and Marvel over here is doing new Mu, um, new Mu. They they're not a reboot, and then they cho chose a title with the same cadence as New Fifty Two. I think we're just like missing a syllable for this to work out. So, I mean, you could always say the new Marvel hue, and then there you go. you got the same cadence, same syllable count. It's baffling that they try to sell us on this idea that they're not rebooting. It's like it, it's it is. Just like, with the, just like with the Marvel now, it's not a reboot. It's more of a, a, a reimagining. Yeah, and at least Marvel now still it didn't reset things. 
I, I you know, you still knew that Tony Stark was Iron Man and he and his best friend was Rhodey and he had a drinking problem. Like all that still existed in the background. You didn't you know, you just had to deal with an awful superior Iron Man series. Which is it's best if I don't talk about that. I have a scathing review of it uh, from several months ago. And if you want to know my thoughts on Superior Iron Man, just go back and look at that. The one thing that I think is very strange with the new Marvel 52 is putting a huge name like Jason Aaron on Weird World, which is actually a series I haven't heard of before today. It just seems like a generic like a generic fantasy story. I actually don't know much about Weird World because it I just started blocking out what the, whatever the tie-ins were because most of them seemed entirely uninteresting to me. The reason these companies thrive, the reason they survive at this point is less to do with the storytelling and the quality and more to do with the names. People buy Batman regardless of if it's good or not. You know, granted, it has been really good. Scott Snyder's done great. Um, better example might be uh, Superman, we'll say. Superman struggled for years because it's a very hard character to relate to people. But people keep buying it because they have this nostalgia attached to it. Go over to Marvel, you look at uh, Spider-Man, which kind of has an up-and-down history. People still buy it, uh, regardless of who the writer is. So it's entirely baffling that the companies would attempt to step away from the characters for events that people weren't even asking for. There's I mean, do do people ever ask for events? I think it, to an extent, yes. Um, it is most of the events, no. Axis uh, is a great example of one that we did not ask for and that we did not deserve. We had done nothing wrong. Why did you do this to us? As a side note, I do want to give MultiversityComics.com uh, a, a shout-out for a great Axis summary entitled Existential Crisis. It's written by James Johnson, and it is a great examination of the events that aren't asked for, and Axis is certainly one of them. But you look at something like, say, Infinity. While Infinity may have been baffling, and it may have been hard to understand at times because it was such an expansive story, it was kind of what we like, which is the grand-scale world threat. And a lot of people would like to confine that to just Avengers or just X-Men comics, and, and I understand that. But when it comes to events, I really like what Valiant's been doing. Valiant has done multiple events in the past years, and they typically don't affect the, the current stories going. They just ran a series called The Valiant, creative name, I know. But they ran this series called The Valiant, and it was a four-part series by Matt Kent and Jeff Lemire with Paolo Rivera. And they ran this event, and it was, it was four issues, and it was just enjoyable. It was, and it did not interfere with the current run of Quantum and Woody or Man of War. You know, Man of War actually has a big event thing going on in his comic right now that doesn't affect the others. Uh, there's a series by Alice Cott right, out right now called Dead Drop that, once again, it involves all these characters, but it does not affect the current story. And I would love to see more stuff like that. I would love to know that the universe is in peril, but I can also still read this uh, this 
story of revenge that Cullen Bunn has been writing on Magneto or or something of the sort. Yeah, it would be nice if there if events were scaled back a little. Agree. We don't need to know what it would be <laughs> nice that if during Magneto's quest for revenge we didn't have to take a breather to find out what's going on in the grander scheme of things. Books should just be able to certain books at least should be able to just go off on their own. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I certainly understand that, you know, it, tying those other books in gives it a, a better feeling of the whole universe being involved. But I don't feel danger when you do that because I know that that series is going to continue. You're promoting things 10 months in advance. You're telling us, like, a year ahead of time that a character is going to die. You know, this, this advanced promotion ruins a lot of the fun. A, a bright spot in the new Marvel Universe would be Jason Aaron on Weird World, which comes off as a generic fantasy title, but if Jason Aaron is writing a character named Mudbutt, I'm all aboard. The Outhouse's favorite Mudbutt did address it this week in his weekly article, Axel in Charge, over at Comic Book Resources. He uh, seems to be... Upset that the information leaked, I'll just go ahead and read you where he talks about this. Comic Book Resources asked him regarding Thor's identity being leaked uh, just a few days before the issue. They say, It's also impressive that this stayed a secret for as long as it did up until the week the issue was released. For Marvel internally, how gratifying was that? Especially given the mainstream interest. Alonzo replies to this with, it is gratifying. It's deeply disturbing to me that there are industry professionals who are all too willing to hurt or betray their fellow freelancers by offering classified story information to those who peddle it. You know who's hurt most by a spoiled secret? The creator who came up with the idea in the first place. The professionals who sneak around doing this and those who profit from it, if they were characters in a comic book, they'd clearly be regarded as shady. Hmm, that's got me thinking. Senior editor meeting! And at this point, um, I just assume Axel Alonso ran off into a room with Tom Brevert, and uh, they began making out and calling each other, um, calling each other mud butts. And it's interesting here to see Axel trash sites that ran this story of Thor's identity when he is giving this interview on a site that ran a story about Thor's identity. Uh, every website, actually, probably just about any website... Uh, that's comic book affiliated, and even some that weren't, ran stories saying that the identity of Thor is spoiler in case you have been dead the past 10 days. Jane Foster is the new Thor. It's also interesting that he talks about people profiting from it when the, the Iceman sexuality was released on 4chan and Jane Foster's identity was released on Reddit, neither of which would provide profit to the person unless people were to give them money. So it's it's bizarre that he's talking about profits and stuff when that didn't happen. The only thing that could have happened is profit from ad revenue of a site, a very site which he is talking to. I don't understand him. It does seem a bit hypocritical from Axel Foley to, to throw that out there. In, in what way do you mean? For him to... For him to trash the publicity sites and then go on them for publicity okay yeah absolutely absolutely because his weekly axel in charge 
column is pretty much just a weekly free Marvel ad- advertisement. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they pay CBR for the article. Um, I mean, I'm sure they're paying CBR something. Uh, but I don't know what they what they get in return. But even if they don't pay CBR for it and CBR doesn't pay them, it's a fair trade. You know, Marvel comes on and promotes their stuff. CBR gets uh, a ridiculous amount of clicks just because the editor-in-chief popped up on there. And people will be reading it whether they like them or not. So it's a fair trade. Speaking of editors-in-chiefs and editors-in-general and Marvel and, well, we'll just put it this way. There's been some more fun regarding X-Men and the Fantastic Four and how they do not exist in the Marvel Universe. It appears this week that a site who I'm, for some reason, just cannot remember the name of. I, I just can't seem to cite the source. Do you have any idea? No, I, I don't. I just... I mean, I even have the article up, but for some reason, it's just, it's blurred out or censored. I, I can't tell. Far. I don't know what is going on, but, oh well. So, Marvel has once again removed X-Men and Fantastic Four from their universe, except this time in the form of t-shirt apparel. The t-shirts in question contain classic covers from the original Secret Wars saga. It's still done in the original style, it's not some redrawn... Uh, cover, but there has been, but X-Men and Fantastic Four members have been edited out. It's significant, too. It's not something that just could have slipped under the radar. Wolverine, who was front and center in Secret Wars issue one, has now been replaced by Iron Fist, who was obviously of equal, uh, of equal notoriety. Scott Gavin, you know, Gavin, you know this is just pure coincidence. It must have been some someone at the graphics department was trying to have a laugh, getting rid of getting rid of Wolverine and the Fantastic Four. You know, that that actually makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, oh gosh. And no, because you know, Marvel is known for their their quality lately. They are. They really must are. Have just accidentally hit send to the printers, which I bet I bet happened. It's you I bet know. That's that's what it was. And it's you know, you you have to be right. It it must be some weird goof. I mean, the Secret Wars number 8 t-shirt which features Spider-Man in his uh Venom suit. You know, it's uh it's still got the flame from the Fantastic uh Four's Human Torch, but it doesn't have the Human Torch. That's probably just an accident. It's on a red background. He's probably just blending in or something. Yeah, just similar to like, you know, the blue Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's he's just he's just he oh, he must have got that's what it is. He got his wife's abilities temporarily and just became invisible. Yeah, and I think she's also I think she actually set up an invisible wall around him, is what it is, cuz if you look closely, you can see her uh actually standing in front of Spider-Man. Oh, you're right. See her? Yeah, right there. Yeah, I see her as clear as I see you. You know, this is this is like a very interesting thing cuz Brian Michael Bendis actually disproved this theory not too long ago on his Tumblr page. Uh, a few months back, somebody asked him about if Marvel was trying to uh, edge out the X-Men, and he made a great argument. He said, and I'm not making this up, if they were trying to get rid of the X-Men, why would they put me in charge of writing the title? He's got a really good point there. Everybody, there's 
Bendis is at the top of his game right now. You know, for that 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 hit the Spawn stuff he did, that early Ultimate Spider-Man. No, no, man, that was a warm up for what he is doing right now. Yeah, his work on Guardians of the Galaxy right now, flawless. Flawless. I would I would even give it a ten out of ten. <laughs> Calm down, Comic Fine. Oh, sorry. We all know Guardians is only a 9.5, okay? We saved the 10 for that terrific, groundbreaking X-Men run he is working on. I mean, top-notch, top-notch dialogue and character development. Look at Iceman. It's just beautiful. And, and he's bisexual now. Because, you know... That's how Why it not? Yeah, and it's called character development. It really, it really is beautiful. It's, um, I think he's really taking a look at life and the how something seems so arbitrary, and he's saying, "What could be arbitrary? How could I display these random happenings in life that we can't explain and we just kind of have to shrug and say that's the way it is?" And he says, "I know sexuality. It's awe-inspiring." So that's the news. Very sorry about, very very sorry about all that. So. Let's talk about some reviews. This week, what's our book? It is, oh, Killstrike by the singer of Say Anything, Max Bemis. Max Bemis, the other emo singer writing comics right now. The first being the Kieran Gillen. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Who did such hits as Umbrella Academy and uh, Killjoys. You know, but in the end, we all know he's just trying to be like Gerard Way over on Wicked and Divine. Yes. Oh, Killstrike is the story of it's a love letter and an open mockery of '90s comics, and it really starts out with a very um, Scott McCloud type deal, where where the first uh, page or two is explaining history of comics. And really just telling you the basic information you need to know to enjoy the story. And I think it does a, a good job of finding a fun way to explain this without ruining it too much. Um, I don't know. What, what did you think? I really, I really liked it. It started off very meta at first, referencing not the comic, oh, Killstrike, but just the comic Killstrike in the first couple pages getting you familiar with the character, and it's interesting because it brings up speculation in the comics industry, and it brings up speculation in the comics industry. Which is a big part of sales right now, and that's why you see these reboots and these new number one issues. Um, Sure, they act as great jumping-on points for readers, but that's not the primary reason it's done. So it, it mentions the whole speculation buying and the irony that even the worst... Um, even the worst comic can be worth something if it is rare. So the story is is based around the idea that he has this crappy comic book that is really, really rare and is worth money. And so he is going to – he has to go back to his mother's to get it, which is an interesting plot device because it seems to hold almost no relevance to the rest of the story. I think it was just the tie-in – that comic book readers have a strange relationship with their mother. Yeah, yeah, I guess that that makes sense. Um, <laughs> it is it's being a kind of meta commentary type thing. 
it is going to, you know, it does have to speak to comic book uh, owners. And it, it's interesting because it also speaks to, well, folks like you and me, Tim, because, yeah. oh, Killstrike uh, kind of talks about the comic snob versus the open-armed fan. Yeah, I found it very interesting, our protagonist's relationship with his wife and his wife's view on comics. Pretty much that they're they're for children, and she just wants him to be around the house and be a responsible adult. And I think for a lot of comic book fans, and I'm sure I've been guilty of this at times, you can cross this line where all of a sudden you're too invested in it and you forget that they're really – they're just books. They're just stories. It doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but some people devote so much anger and energy into it, they forget reality. And this is coming from a guy who has spent the past three hours trying to get this one podcast to work. I know. Coming from another guy whose girlfriend, bragging, <laughs> is currently watching Game of Thrones in the other room without me because I've neglected her, and that's my punishment. Yeah, and this is coming from a guy whose Swedish girlfriend is going to wake up and start reading a stack of comic books tomorrow. And this coming from a guy who lives in the same continent as his girlfriend. Yeah, to bring it up. So, oh, Killstrike is, uh, is really a book you have to go into being ready to laugh at yourself. Because you, if you don't see a part of yourself in the protagonist, then you probably aren't being honest because he, he really kind of hits this spectrum of uh of hardcore buy anything and too good for everything it, it's it's an interesting balance that he seems to bounce off of both sides at times it's 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 a real turn for max bemis writing something you know this deep a, such a deep critique on the comic book fan from his days of writing li- deep lyrics such as I called her on the phone and she touched herself. I think that's an understatement really. I think, you know, even even if we're just bringing up the awful lyrics of that song, let's really step back and appreciate the fact that the guy who wrote that those monstrosities called lyrics has written what what I find to be a, a pretty entertaining book and he's also got a successful ongoing series called Evil Empire. Uh, though I personally have not read it. I don't know if you have any experience with it, Tim. Uh, I have not. Actually, I do know that you don't have any experience with it. I lied. (laughs) I was playing it off as if it was a brand new segment. (laughs) This is a new segment called Gavin Lied. Just like your Swedish girlfriend. No, she's real. I have her head on a stick. Yeah, that's what sane people say. You better not leave that in. And, I, you know, I would really put, while it may not be as good as Lumberjanes, I think, oh, Killstrike is kind of a book along the lines of Lumberjanes for Boom in that it isn't taking itself too seriously and it's not trying to be some dark, gritty story. It's really there to entertain and just, you know, just relax for a minute. I think there's a lot of stories trying to push into this dark, gritty thoughtful territory, and instead it just comes off as redundant and sluggish and boring. So it's a nice change of pace. Also released this week from Boom was issue number 14 of Lumberjanes. I am proud to say that I have read it, and this was actually my first time reading a Lumberjanes, uh, reading an issue of Lumberjanes. 
and I'm very glad I did, and I'm probably going to go back and try to find these other uh, issues because it, I'd heard great things about it. I just, I'd never read it myself. I don't know why, I just never did, and so I finally picked one up, and I, I even suggested it to people despite having not read it. So I finally picked it up myself, and it is really, it's just a lot of fun, which, going back to what I was just saying about, oh, kill strike. You know, it's something that's undervalued in the industry at this point. And one of the things I liked about Lumberjanes is that while it's a concept that you'd think would be directed at adolescent girls, it's, it's just accessible. It's not something that is overly directed at adolescent girls, such as, say, hmm, my Little Pony. It's just it's just a fun title, really, and it's it's goofy. I mean, this issue deals with a a mythical creature taxidermist, and it also includes kind of the the fact that the Lumberjanes still have no idea how to camp, which is which is just fantastic. Maybe, it's it's an innocent maybe one day public. they'll learn. Maybe one day. I think that's how the series ends: is they pitch a tent and they're like, "Yeah, we did it," and then they go home. What I what I really enjoy about Lumberjanes, similar to the say Adventure Time comics is it's it's good to have some lighthearted fare when you're reading such other dark gritty trying to be mature titles, and you just want something something that's pure fun and pure imagination. I agree, and I think sometimes people forget that comics are supposed to be fun. It's okay to have this uh, Grant Morrison crazy crazy twisted psychological storyline that's that's fine that's cool but if everything is dark and gritty it just just becomes boring and unenjoyable you look at omnipress they opened up for submissions and they were trying to avoid dark and gritty is i I believe one of the things they stated in their um in their guidelines because it's been done it's getting tiring you know it's good to read samurai jack or adventure time lumberjanes uh, Terrible Lizard was another fun one. It's good to just read them because it reminds you that comics are not all about deep moral questions, or rather attempts at deep moral questions that really just come off like you're trying to be a deeper writer than you are because you won't accept the fact that you're writing comic books. Yeah, they're they're funny books. Come on, they're funny books. Lighten up, okay? This is can this be used as an art form? Sure. Is it an art form? Sure. Is it all world changing writing? No. They're comic books. Have some fun. I know. I'm having fun. I'm having tons of fun. Of course, I'm also masturbating furiously right now. Who, who isn't? So, fun abounds. Uh, I think all we have left to talk about now is our parks and recommendations. Yes, parks and recommendations. My recommendation for the week is the new Kickstarter that went live today from Skeleton Crew Studio, which is the seven-inch bust of... Tony Chu, lead character from the series Chu by John Lehman and Rob Guillory. I'm a huge Chu fan, and I have the Poyo bust, so I'm really looking forward to having the Tony right alongside it. I'm going to give my recommendation to Mind Management, and I'm going to push that until it ends because it is a it's a, it's a crazy series. And when we talk about comics as an art form... That's what you should look at, because while it does get psychological, it's not needlessly gritty. It's a lot of fun to read. It's just absurd and wonderful and crazy, and it's it's something that will stick out to you. Uh, it's some beautiful – it's all written and drawn by Matt Kent and some beautiful watercolors. It's He plays with the format a lot, so it's coming to an end 
get those trade paperbacks, catch up on it, see if you can be ready for the finale, because with the way this week's issue ended, it's going to be something crazy. Um, aside from comics, I... Uh, small disclaimer, you can tell Gavin isn't a true fan, because Minor Management only comes out in hardcovers. <laughs> what? Oh! Yeah, they're only... Are they all hardcover? Yeah, I, I wouldn't know because, like a real fan, I get the issues every time they come out. So, And I'm killing the industry. Get on my level. All right, anything else? Um, I, yeah, I'll promote Bag and Boards. Why not? Bag and Boards. They keep your comics bagged and boarded with the assistance of your hands. Putting the board in the bag and then the comic. Hands, hands do tend to come in handy. Is there a connection there? I don't, I don't know yet. I think it's just coincidence. All right. In summary, and in summary, this week's episode was brought to you by Books on Anti-Gravity. They're really hard to put down. I've been Tim Madura. I've been Gerard Way's future best friend, Gavin Dillinger. And this has been episode one of the Weekly Digest. We're very sorry, and we hope you can forgive us. Have a good week. Furiously right now.